Welcome tonight. This is Pastor Kevin Kello of New Testament Church of the Firstborn putting on my Streamcast Ministry Message Man. I pray tonight that our Lord Jesus anoints me to speak the words of what I feel like are graceful theology. So we have some things to pray for. Uh, I want to pray for the Daniel Wright family. He, his wife, and his child have all come down with COVID apparently at the same time, and it's a little bit of a struggle in that household right now, but they're all young, they're healthy, and we do believe that they'll pull through. So we also want to continue to remember uh, our good brother and friend, Rick Eggers, who is recovering from a lot of real heavily induced uh, cancer treatments right now for he and his wife Kelly, and of course the family that loves him so dearly. We will be benefited by grace and God for God to keep him here with us and extend his life and uh, uh, bless us with his presence. So we ask for his healing at well. And I know it looks like I'm multitasking uh, right now because I am. And um, so just work with me tonight as we look over the graces and the truth uh, that we have to cover. We're also glad to report tonight that my wife is recovering. Uh, she's been out of church now for almost going on three weeks. Uh, she had a pretty bad bronchial infection. She never had COVID. She always tested negative for it, so we give God thanks for that. But her breathing and the RSV, and there she is. Praise Jesus. Our sister in the faith, uh, our warrior of God, our intercessor, our handmaiden of the Lord, Miss Leanne Litton is here with us in the house, and we send great welcome. And of course, who did she come with? She came with Prophetess White. She came in the light, not, not a sister of darkness, uh, not, not, not a witch of blackness, not the witch of Endor. No, she's with Sister White. And we give many thanks and many praise as uh, people uh, lovingly, I hope, uh, tolerate my banter. But also, Leanne is the proof of answered prayers. God has raised her up yet again. And we give God thanks that every uh, new day, every time that God forgives, which is immediate, there is a whole new creation for her to live, and it will last for eternity. It lasts forever. Praise God. His grace and His mercy. I feel the anointing just talking to her. She's here today. She's alive. And she is addicting herself like the house of Stephanus to the ministry. And to her, it is a salvation. To her, it is an obedience. To her, it is an application of Him that applied Himself to her. She's here tonight seeking to apprehend that which apprehended her of Christ Jesus. So we encourage her with the Apostle Paul to forget those things which are behind because they're forgiven, forgotten, and not used against her. Welcome to this new day. Welcome to this new life. Welcome to a new heaven. Welcome to a new earth. Welcome to the new Jerusalem because God has a firstborn son in the form of a female manifesting as Miss Leanne, because God only has two types of people 
on the face of the earth. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost of God. He has firstborn sons and those that are waiting to be born. If we will be about our Father's business, we will go redeem them because uh, in salvation there's neither male nor female. What God has is firstborn status. It is the general assembly and church of the firstborn. And you may say in your mind, well, other people have had my name. Yes, they've had your name before, but they've never had it like you wear it. Not with your fingerprints, not with your DNA, and not with your eye retina, not looking like you, not talking like you, not acting like you. You, my friend, are the peculiar treasure uniquely designed by the wonderful counselor the wonderful God who designed you to be beautiful in everything that He did, that you do. That you are living as you, redeemed by God, His way, His reality, by His Spirit. You see, you're just as much the plan of God in the person of God as Jesus was. And let me just throw this in right here. Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with His Father. You're of the best kind. You're of the best cloth. You're of the best word. You carry the best spirit. And your soul is being redeemed because of the double portion of grace that God has poured out upon us. I'm excited tonight. What a gift. What a hope. My whole spirit has been resurrected by the coming of our faithful sister. Uh, Very much so uh, could be one of the lineup, one of the... Uh, uh, seven great women that Paul spoke of in Romans 16. I'd throw you in that category, I would. Especially when you're hanging out with Sister White. I mean, wow, that's good stuff. That's just as good as it gets. Uh, These wonderful women of faith who pray for, who administer and minister the words of grace. Why? Because that's what they received in their vessel. They carry the treasure the treasure that God spoke of to Job in 80 questions, they have in deposit. Look what God has posited inside of every one of His firstborn sons. Yes, He treats you like a firstborn. He calls you a firstborn. And with the Old Testament, people get so tripped up on this. Who's the second born? Who's the third born? In the new kingdom of God established by Jesus Christ, There are no second-born sons, only firstborn. And though, excuse me, apparently uh, those little bagels and stuff were better than I realized. Uh, 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 Because burping is the sign of thanks in in Alaska. And someone said, well, move to Alaska. Well, give me time. Nevertheless, uh, we are blessed and benefited by this firstborn status. You're not down the line. You're not way in the back of the line. You're God's first and foremost desire. You are His beloved's. You are the one that the beloved loves and His desire is towards you tonight. I want you to know how wonderful that is. How beautiful, the marvelous, the the miraculous grace who called us out of darkness And Peter would say, it's a marvelous light that you stand in. It's a marvelous a marvelous spirit that you have. It's a marvelous anointing that destroys every yoke 
anything that tries to yoke you and harness you, I want you to lift your hand and say there's an anointing that destroys that yoke. The only thing that can possess me is my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm His. There is no other addiction that can hold on to me. Does it try? Have I made the fully mistake in times past, these things I'm forgetting, to try to maybe go back to that because I felt insecure for a moment? I maybe didn't believe that God would provide for me in the moment that God would really take care of me, so I fell back to an old familiar thing that only tripped me up. Believe tonight. Believing is your deliverance. Believing that God is your provider. That Italama Sandala Bahaya, He knows your downsetting and your uprising. He is the Jehovah Jireh of Mount Moriah. I am the Lord that sees and I am the Lord that provides. You have to take no thought for the cares and the riches of this life. What you shall wear, what you shall eat, where you shall live. Your Father knows that you have need of all these things. Therefore seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness. You may find in your soul that it still fears uh, and you are in the management of trying to take care of yourself. Well, let go and let God. Let go and let God. You see what trying to take care of yourself produces. It returns you to familiar failures, familiar addictions, and old familiar sins that have never benefited you. Therefore, trust God. Trust God with your life. Trust Him. He knows what you have need of. He said, even don't even worry about tomorrow. We take things today to escape from the responsibilities of tomorrow. And He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. If there's any evil you're going to face, I will face it with you. I will be your exceeding and abundant great reward because you are the seed of Abraham. And yes, this is coming out just to fortify my sister. That's why I'm anointed right now because she needs fortification and I am willing to give it. I am willing to uphold her by the word of His authority. Why? Because I've been upheld by the word of His authority. My Father will do for her the same that He's done for me. And even more than that, it says, uh, He that refreshes others shall shall be refreshed himself. And I am refreshed in spirit and in the anointing of prayer. That's why it means a lot to me. You see, I prayed about it and now I see the reward of prayer. I see the result of God's daughter. I see her walking into the household of God. I see her walking back into the fellowship of faith. And that means my prayers were heard. That means that my prayer life's working because our dad's working. My Abba Father, he's on the job. Hallelujah. Where I can't be and what I can't do, he is the omnipotent God everywhere, every place and at every time performing His word and here's what He said my word will not return to me void, it will accomplish into the place and I sent it to her more than once I was, here's a word, here's a word here's a word, I'm, I'm lobbing it over in her direction because have faith have faith, don't turn back to the darkness of your soul, don't draw back thinking that God won't did you see the Bible said you have need of patience, patience, persistence, and perseverance that after 
you've done the will of God. Lord, give me the promise and then I'll do it. And he said, no, you do it and then I'll give you uh, the promise after you've obeyed. That's how it works. Because we are of them which believe unto the saving of the soul. We're not of them who draw back into prediction. No, my soul won't allow my my spirit won't allow my soul to draw back into the familiar sins of a dead life of my dead man because I buried him and he's in the grave. I don't live like him anymore. I, I, I'm looking to what the new man can do. And the new man faces tomorrow with the faith of his father. The faith of our father. Knowing that God knows what I have need of. If I need a jacket or a coat, he'll give it to me. If I need to get my hair cut, it's a small thing. But I had went around, it was right up to Thanksgiving. And I kept failing to make my haircut appointment. And I was looking like someone that my wife didn't want to be married to. Which is most of the time. But anyway, I was hoping, I drove by the barber shop. I saw one car then I said, oh it may be, it might be in all my failures uh, that he could work me in without an appointment. Ah, I hope so. So I came in very humbly knowing knowing that I could be rejected because I failed to make an appointment. And in coming in in humility, by being poor in spirit, he rewarded me a haircut and a beard cut. And boy, I needed it too. I was quite the bum. So right there on the spot, and he got quite the tip for it. I said, see what this turns into? Because I was not forcing my way, not putting my situation on him, but putting my lack on him, my repentance towards him. Because I want to honor him, by the way, his name is Dwayne Cole. And we want to pray for Dwayne and his household and his family. Because one way or another, I am the ministry to him and I am attached to him in love and grace and mercy. Well, wait a minute. Well, uh, uh, you mean he's your brother? Absolutely, he's my brother. I treat him like a brother. I talk to him like a brother and I love him like a brother. And sometimes he even cuts my hair like a brother. But anyway, God rewarded me with something I needed because I had a hope, but I was humble, humble about it. So again, uh, we, we've got a message to go on, but Miss Leanne's here and she's thrilling my heart. She's thrilling my heart. Let me just point this out to you. Uh, I told you to go to Ephesians 3, 9. Put your thumb in there and I just want to reward her with a better truth. It's, it's a well-known truth. It's well-quoted, but it's something else when you live it. Matthew, I told you to put your thumb in, uh, in Ephesians, in the Tabernacles message of the Bible of the great Apostle Paul. But I'm going to remind you in Matthew chapter uh, blah, 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 6 Amundo. Chapter 6 Amundo, yes. And this was the conditions of Jacob. Ah, And this is the take no thought, take no thought, take no thought. So if there are thoughts, this is what Paul said, casting down and, and, and every thought that exalts itself against. So we're thought life. When you get owned by your thoughts and Jesus said, don't let these thoughts get in your head. Casting down imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And Jesus said, don't let these thoughts up there in the old gray matter, don't let them run around. They're little thieves 
They're little lion thieves. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. These little things running around in their heads. Where shall we eat? Where shall we live? What's tomorrow going to be like? Oh, get them out of there. Cast those thoughts and imaginations out. They do not belong in the mentality of a renewed mind. Be not conformed to this world. All the Gentiles take thoughts for this stuff. You don't have to. Again, I say, Matthew 6, 25, if I ever get back to the other sermon, you can thank Leanne Litton that she has completely derailed my sermon for this one. It is because of her. Thank you, Jacob. This is thoughts that need to be cast out of your thinking. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. Do not let these thoughts exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. Get these thoughts out. Let's go clean house. These are spider webs in the upper lofts of your mind. Get a broom and get all the cobwebs out. Don't let these things crawl up there and make their nest and rob you, rob you and lie to you. Get the spiders out. Amen. Poisonous arachnids that they are with their nasty little fangs catching you in the web of their lies. Take no thought for your life. Huh? What you shall eat or what you shall drink neither yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not your life the Spirit of God that wonderfully made you and designed you more than what you eat and the body, the raiment? But yet the world has taught you all that you are is where you, what you wear, where you live, and the type of food you get to eat. And Jesus said you're far more valuable than those natural commodities by which we judge one another. Do you drive the right type of car? Do you wear the right type of clothes? No, I don't. I don't have any of that right. But what I do have right is my Heavenly Father. I do have God in my life. Even though I have nothing to my name, I'm the richest man on the face of the earth because the treasures of heaven have been deposited in me. I'm not known because of my designer clothes. I'm not known because of my designer sport car. I'm not known because of my place and location in the country club or elsewhere for that matter. Whether it's a brick house or a frame house, I can tell you about my house. It keeps the rain off my head and I'm thankful for it. And I sleep like a baby, praise God. I go to bed in my, in my bed and I don't know if it's a designer bed or not. I just know that when I get in it, I sleep well because He gives His beloved sleep. I, I made a covenant with rest. It's okay to get rest because I will not live the vanity of rising up early, staying up late. God doesn't give me sorrow for bread. He gave me His life for bread. I will not eat... Uh, 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 the bread of sorrows, because he gives his beloved Sabaoth. Uh, he gives us rest, because there remains a rest to the people of God. And that means what's been revealed to you during this time and season, there was another issue with trust. And God wants you to trust him so that you might rest. He is going to take care of you. These are thoughts exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. Cast them down. Out you go. Boy, I tell you what, my spirit man's working up in the attic today. We don't need that. Get that out of here. Why'd you keep that around? Throw that thought out. That dirty rat, how dare you fly into my attic, you buzzard, you, 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 you death-eating 
you putrefied buzzard. You can't live up here. Get the bats out of the belfry. In other words, praise God. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for your body, what shall you put on, is, is not the life, the life, the life, the way, the truth, the life. Is it not more than the meat and the body more than the clothing? Behold, let's take a natural parable. Let's look at this. The fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. They just fly around all day. Crazy birds, crazy birds flying around all day. And yet they find this to eat and that to eat and this to eat and that to eat. That's why the Bible said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength as the, as the eagles. Which means our real spiritual job is to fly around in the Holy Ghost, to run with the power of God, outrunning the strength of horses, outrunning them back to the uh, castle uh, like Elijah did in the days of Ahab. Preach on, I'm going to. And then run and not be weary. All we're doing is walking with God and He's doing the rest because we're not here to serve the day or creation. The day in the creation is here to serve us. Amen. Ah. Behold the fowls of the air. There they go flying around, I know, like me in this message. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father, yet your heavenly Father, Yet your heavenly Father, yet your heavenly Father, which is God, feedeth, feedeth, oh my, 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 Holy Ghost and fire, get used to it, praise God, feedeth them. Are you not much better than they are? Absolutely, I'm getting refocused. I'm getting refocused. Which of you, by taking a thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? Trust me, if that would work, I'd be a tall fella. I'd be around 7'5", but in truth I'm 5'7". All I've done is help the gray turn gray. If you could take thought and add one cubit to your measure. I've added things in the heels of my shoes. I've tried to wear the stacks like the old rock and roll group Kiss, and it just doesn't work. I'm not good on stilts. I was built short, I was made short, and he said, Lo, I'll be with you. So I've learned to be content with the slow height that I have. Hallelujah. Amen. You should laugh at that. Why take ye thought for clothing? Consider the, li the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. They're not out there, and I have the most beautiful memory of coming across a field of lovely lilies everywhere. This entire back field was covered with lilies. Every, every, everywhere. I couldn't even count them. They were so much. And I was caught up in the moment of the beauty and the glory of the lilies. And God has allowed me to remember that time all by myself. Me, God, and the lilies. That field of lilies. Looking how beautiful they were. How wonderful they were. I made careful to walk around. I didn't even want to bend one of them. I didn't want to hurt one of them. They were so beautiful in stature. I sat there as a young boy and just looked at their beauty and marveled at the handiwork of God. At the handiwork of God. And yet I read it today in His Word. Amen. They don't toil, they don't spin, and yet God covers the earth. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon and all his working and all his toiling in the first 20 years of building buildings and a temple and a palace 
He said, yet Solomon does not exceed not one of those lilies. Not one. All that he did and all that he constructed in the first 20 years, he did nothing but serve appearance. He created mimetic desire that, that you could look upon. And because people got so wiped out over what he had built through the misguided counsel of Hiram, king of Tyre, people no longer had an ear to hear his wisdom because he'd put too much before their eyes and they were literally having eye lust. The lust of their eyes looking at the construction and the building and it becomes the failure of the wisdom that God put in it. Listen to me. Oh my, so wonderful tonight. Isn't God wonderful? You're far ahead of the game. I've learned from His mistake. See, that's why this church is more utilitarian than it is some beautiful edifice. As long as it serves us coming together, that's all we need. We didn't try to build the most beautiful building. We wanted the one that would serve the gospel. They tried to talk me into turning this into a basketball court. And I can only tell you, God didn't call me to build a gymnasium. I'm so glad there's not a screw-up basketball goal behind me. Thank God I didn't listen to that goofiness. I said, I want to have a place where people assemble together. If you want to play basketball, join the Y. Goodness. I said, I want something with the baptism and a place of worship and preaching. Praise God. <laughs> Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in his mistake, his error in all of his Proverbs, he spends the first 20 years not realizing how great the wisdom would be and made more to look at so people would no longer hear his words. They were so busy seeing what he built, they couldn't hear his words. And he created mimetic desire, and that is coveting through the lust of the eyes. That is, faith doesn't come by sight. Faith comes by hearing. So we walk not by sight, but by faith. And all they could see is what he had accomplished with his hands and at that time they thought it was great, but it was the very thing in his last 20 years that he spent so much time he didn't teach his son and he couldn't hand off to Rehoboam. Not one generation would follow the wisdom that he really had because the first 20 years he was missing it by building what you can see instead of establishing what you should hear because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And therefore, his words, unlike Samuel's, many of them fell to the earth. And that's why they had to be written down. Because in the present moment, they were not living words because people were enticed by what they saw instead of having faith by what they hear. And that's good preaching tonight. That's good preaching tonight. What you hear will build you up. Your sight will tear you down because you've got to deal with uh, the lust of the eyes and then the lust of the flesh. Two categories. And that can also lead to another killer and it's called the pride of life. The eye gate. The eye gate by looking at what you see instead of hearing what you believe. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Kello. And yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, and he does, 
I know he does. I've been there in the midst of it as a young boy. Which today, in, which today is and tomorrow is not. Look at in the perfect present tense. The to be verb is like God is. Today is. Now is the accepted time. Today is because it's just like God. Now and today is just like God. It's what is. It's what's presently happening. Boy, I hope you pick up what I'm laying down. I hope you pick pick up what I'm laying down today. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So now that you've discovered through a failure areas where you probably weren't believing God, an old fear came in, an old fear of being provided for, an old fear of being uh, protected, an old fear of being secure. Well, safety and security comes from the Lord. Trust God. Trust God. Well, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know who holds tomorrow, and that's my dad. That's my father, God. I don't need to turn to this or turn to that. Forgive me, Lord, those days are over. I'm forgiven, I'm restored, and I've learned more about myself by falling to this darkness. It has taught me how I could be hungry and thirsty for relationship. The darkness has taught me Jesus, I need relationship over in this dark corner of my soul. Over in this dark area of my soul. Now I believe you in all these other areas and that's great. But I've found some darkness in me. And that's what cultivates uh, the blessedness to be hungry and thirsty. For what? Relationship. And the relationship of God is when He is the light of the world. That He is that light. And therefore, walk in the light as you have the light. Let the Son of Light walk into the dark areas of your soul that have been revealed to you. Lord, I fell to this. I fell to that. I realized I was trying to take care of me. I was trying to provide for me. I was trying to uh, secure me, and I can't do it. I've always had this fear. And now that the darkness has been revealed, go to that darkness and go with Jesus and say, I want relationship here. I want me and you to cut the lights on in this dark area of my soul so I don't return to it for hiding. So I don't return to it from hiding. Forgive me from hiding from your love. Forgive me from hiding from your kingdom. Forgive me from hiding from your provision. Forgive me for not having faith in what you said. Forgive me for worrying about the natural and the physical things of life. Because if you so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is, like God is, uh, and God cast those things into the oven, but yet He took care of them. Yet He provided for them. God did that and they, they're not even going to hang around. They get thrown into the oven. He's taking great care of them, but somehow or another He's not going to take care of you. Hmm. That doesn't sound right. If God put lilies in the field, He's also going to take care of me. Oh, ye little, oh, ye, not, not of no faith, but little faith. Isaiah said, if your strength fail in the day of adversity, when you feel things challenging you, when you're trying and things in life are making you feel insecure in the day of your adversity, if your faith fail you, if you're of little faith in that moment, like when they're caught crossing the Sea of Gennesaret, not yet knowing that creation and the storm is going to get them to their destiny even sooner than if there was no storm. 
The storm is not against you, my friend. All things are for your sake. You failed to reveal to you another area that God would like to work in you. It's not a failure. It's a recognition. It is helping you recognize that God, I need you over here too. God, I need you in this area too. God, I need you over here. I don't want to turn back to these weak and beggarly elements of the world. I want to turn to the Most High. I want to turn to Him that sets me free. I want to turn to Him that never leaves me and never forsakes me, never fails me. And here's good news. He is not discouraged with you because the storm was not against you. The storm was for you. While they're up in the boat screaming and yelling at one another, Joe, get a bucket for God's sake, we're going down. What are you doing, Curtis? Get over here and help me bail out this water. Where's Jesus at? Well, he's sleeping like a baby in the belly of the ship. Oh my goodness, get him up! And they wake, they, they go and wake Jesus up. He's sleeping through the storm like a baby, knowing that the storm is ordained of God to get him to the other side even faster than without it. You're getting closer. Your storm hasn't brought you away from God. It's not about what you lost in this storm. You've gained because of the storm. Uh, Hear the prophet. And the Lord God shall prosper you. Believe in the Lord and He will establish you. Hear His prophets and so shall you prosper. You're going to prosper because of this storm. For all things are for your sakes. Oh my, I can't stop preaching tonight. Look at it. Oh ye of little faith. Not no faith, but just little. I had little faith in this here. God, I believe, help thou my unbelief. I know all you monster believers, all you super believers, I've had nothing more than a grain of a mustard seed. When I said, well God, if that's all you're going to give me, I went to my mountain and I started taking that mustard seed and knocking it against the mountain saying, get out of my way, get out of my way, get out of my way, get out of my way. It's taking the smallest of all seeds. And I was trying to crack a mountain in half. Get out of my way. Taking that little grain of a faith of a mustard seed, knowing that it would grow into the largest tree and the largest herb and the largest part of my life. But I was taking that little speck. Diane's mama used to wear a little uh, thing on, uh, on her clothes. Uh, she had a little brooch. And it's a little tiny golden thing. And it wasn't real big to start with. It was smaller than that bottle cap. And, and there it was. It was covered in some type of clear glass and liquid. Inside of that, there was something even yet smaller. It is a little speck of a seed. And it was a mustard seed. She, she wore it right in there. And I remember looking at that seed and I said, God, you compared the kingdom like unto the grain of a mustard seed. Starts out so very small. Jesus wasn't more than a speck in my life. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to read the Bible. I didn't know anything. I was ignorant on top of ignorance. I was ignorant times ten. I was ignorant to the tenth power. Didn't know, didn't understand. Started praying in my bed. I didn't, you know, oh, I had a super prayer life. <laughs> Shut up! Not me! I got saved, knew something had changed, and I'd get down in bed after working myself to death, lay in bed and said, oh yeah, I'm so spread. Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> Pitiful! Pitiful, but I was praying. I said, no, I'm supposed to pray, so let me pray. Let me see. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for my bed, thank you for my feet. Lord, when I wake up, give me something good to eat. Amen. 
And off to bed I'd go. And then I'm like, ah, oh, my consciousness was growing. And my conscience would say, you got to do a little better than that. Gotta dig a little deeper, Kev. <laughs> you're on the surface. You're learning how. But I was learning. I was drinking the sincere milk of the Word, and little by little it began to thrive and grow. Give me another bottle, God. And I, you know, okay. And then I said, well, Lord, this, let me see. Uh, let me pray a little bit. So then I put my hands together. Still laying in bed. Still laying down. Right flat on my back. Put my, you know, wow, what, what a prayer warrior I'm not. Uh, but there I was, oh, Lord. And I'd say a little bit more. And okay. And then, then uh, my consciousness would get on me. A little bit more. Growing. All signs of growing. Deep, dark, dark as everything. I mean, it was so dark, it was as dark as this, this battery pack. Dark in there. I said, well, this time I'm going to set up. Really, we're moving up. Getting serious. Sorry. Going deep. Getting real. Then I set up in the bed and say a prayer. And then I... Well, then, uh, I prayed that way for a little while. And then God said, uh, Kevin, uh, I want you to... I want you to dig in a little more. Well, I said, okay, still in bed. Ain't got out of bed yet. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. So I got on my hands and my knees and got down in a crouched position in the bed. And I was thinking, well, Lord, this is more earnest because it's a little bit more uncomfortable. Uh, so let me get down and pray. And I'd pray my prayers. And then I'd fall back. And all I was thinking about is all the cares of tomorrow and everything I had to get done and not really thinking that God was going to go with me into that day, but I had to be responsible. I had to take care of me. I had to provide for me. I had to go do this. I had to go do that. I had to earn a living. I had to get a paycheck. I mean, I had a wife and kids and family. I had to be real, right? So anyway, there I was in the bed down praying. No, we're not married yet. I'm sorry, a little bit ahead of the game. If Diane was here, she'd be correcting me right now. Uh, giving me the contrast because I you know, got some of the details wrong. But I think you get the gist of what I'm saying. And by the way, Diane is doing better. Thank the Lord. Three weeks and she's coming out. Hallelujah. She too shall be healed. Hallelujah. Stronger than ever before. My honey bunny. My proper gift. My equal yoke. Thank God. The one who completes me. And on some days she even finishes me. She says, I'm finished with you. And I said, I know it. I feel finished myself. But anyway, uh, I dare in the bed, hands and knees praying, and God says, we need, to, we need to bump it up a notch. I said, well, uh, how do you want me to do it, Lord? He said, well, I've seen pictures, and remember, you think according to the images of your mind. So I was there by the side of the bed, got down on my hands and knees, and I prayed that way, and I'm like, wow, that was different. But I'm getting real. Everybody say, getting real. Getting real with God. Getting real with Jesus. Praise God. And I started praying that way, and then prayer started getting longer and longer. And I wasn't trying to pray long. It was just turning into more and more and more. And then I began to realize in the dark, I wasn't praying out here. I wasn't getting in touch with what's out here. I began to realize I'm getting in touch with what's in here. And what's in here, it seems to be way larger than what's out here. The problems in here seem to be way more complicated than what I was dealing with out here. And I went in there and I said, Lord, it's scary in there. He said, I know, I moved in uh, about three years ago. And it is scary in here. 
you've got a little bit of light on, but we need to cut some more lights on, Kevin. I said, you're, you ain't kidding. Let's get busy. And he said, well, let's. He said, I need your approval, though. I said, why do you keep asking for my approval? You're the Lord. Just do it. And he said, no, I won't do it without your permission. So step by step, we began to work things out on the inside of me. Then I found myself coming home early, not doing anything else, getting everything done so I could start praying early. I needed more time to pray because when I would get down in here, I'm like, wow, <laughs> we've got all the work to do. It's messy in here. He said, well, I'm here uh, and I brought my cleanser and I got my work clothes on, which is kindness, which is love, the love of God that shows up with his work clothes on and, the, you know, those old palm olive gloves, you know, where the woman wouldn't stain her hand up. He had these big old long gloves on and I've just been there. I didn't really, I still didn't really know much know what I was doing. And he would do all this stuff and he'd help me start cleaning this up, cleaning that up, examining this and examining that. He says, what do you think about that? And I said, well, I, I've, I've had it my whole life. I, he said, I know but you'd be better off without it. And I said, well, let's throw it out. Thank God, if I don't need it, let's throw it out. He said, good good call, good call. Now, God was going through helping me clean myself out because there was a lot of dirt in me. I, I know everyone else that, that, that you know, has a polished halo and prettier wings than I do. They even talk in tongues prettier than I do. Uh, but I was a dirty old soul. I needed, whew, my goodness, you had to refill the Clorox bottle and the purple power and you had to make sure that the pressure sprayer had a fresh tank of gas because, I mean, it's messy in there. And there had to be some genuine cleaning going on. So we'd go in and I'd begin to pray more. And then I began to say, well, Lord, I'm going to pray, read the Bible, and then pray some more. Because the more and more I did, all I could see was the more and more it was entering into me. I hope that's helping somebody. Because that's how I was growing I, I didn't grow in leaps and bounds. I love these other people. I went into a fast and it felt like I was called into the third heaven. I went into a fast and I felt like I was cast out in the middle of the desert, exiled from God with nothing. Uh, you know, I, I'd always tried to have these uh, euphoric moments because I was fasting and all I could say is, I'm really a dirty, rotten bum. I'm really an awful person. I need Jesus. <laughs> and I didn't have these spiritual experiences. All I could see is how deficit, how nothing I was without God. I couldn't hide from myself. I was too weak to hide from myself. I was too weak to put on any airs. I was too weak to manage my management system that I'd spent so much time setting up trying to make people think of me what I didn't want them to see in me because I was really disappointed with myself and I never wanted them to see it. So I'd put on all these fallacies and all these facades to help protect me because I was really afraid because I'd been really hurt and I needed someone to help me with my fear. So I learned and it could never be dark enough. And I would go into the darkness because the darkness in here was so dark. I've never experienced greater darkness than looking into the darkness of my soul. See, let me open unto you my dark saying. I know you didn't think you were half bad. I knew I was all bad. Everything was messed up in here. I mean, wow, way, way out of order. And it couldn't be dark enough. 
So then I got to the place when I'd go pray, I had to cover up every light in the room, every LED, every digital light, all covered up, all covered over. I'd get black tape and covered up, and Diane would go by. I had little little rags, little uh, black rags that I would flip over everything, and and every day she'd wake up and she'd have to uh, get get all the LEDs uncovered, even a little speck of light. I didn't even want a red dot coming through on a clock radio. Nothing. It had to be complete darkness because God was dispelling. Hallelujah. God, my Redeemer, was dispelling the darkness, calling me out of darkness, calling me into the kingdom of His dear Son, calling me out of darkness and putting marvelous light on the inside of me. That's me working it out. I'm still working it out, by the way. I'm still working it out. Now, there's a pathway down there now, thank God, and it's full of light. It's a path of light that Jesus has said, we finally cut through the jungle of what you were used to living in, Kevin. Now others can come in here or share with others what I've done for you to give them hope for themselves. Give them hope for themselves. If I can deliver you from your addictions, they will have faith and confidence that if I've done it in you, I also will do it in them. I wish you'd say amen to that because that's right there. Mm, Boom. That's good preaching right there. Right there we hit it. Boom. Therefore, take no thought. There it is. Those vain imaginations and those high thoughts. Get those thoughts out of there. Saying, like Jacob in Genesis 28, 20, and 21, you should write that down, Jacob's conditions automatically provided for by Christ. He doesn't even make you ask for it. He's telling you, I've already covered all that stuff. If you bring all that up, it's already in the manifesto. You don't have to point this and that out to me. I already know you have need of these things. Jacob thought he had to point it out to me too. So now it's just automatically covered. I wish you'd say that with me. Automatically covered. Automatically covered. Automatically covered. Don't even have to really ask I just got to seek. There's one thing I do have to do. Seek the kingdom. Seek how God does things. Not my way, not my version of His way, but His way, His method. Let's do it God's way. Let's be happy with what He does for us. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? I know. And then Jacob says, if you'll do this, even though you are God to my, my grandfather Abraham, I'll consider the covenant. I'll consider it, God. But you've got to do these six things. Back in Genesis 28, 20 and 21. And then he goes off and spends another 20 years with his uncle Laban trying to do everything that he's negotiating with God to do. And let me tell you something. God's not going to do it if you're going to go do it yourself. You're just proving you don't trust Him. Well, I asked God to move for me, but He's not moving. That's because you are trying to accomplish it by works. And you, apparently you need to fail again. Apparently you need to fail again until you learn to trust Him. Just give it to Him. Give it to Him. Admit you're a failure. Admit you're afraid. Admit your own management. Admit your own protection system. Admit your own provision system. And then you can have His. Repent of it. That's how you get wisdom is by admitting I don't have it. I lack it. You know, I'm a failure in this area. 
I, I can't keep me away from it. God, if it's up to me, you know I won't stay away from it. So I've kept trying to keep me away from it, and every time I try to keep me away from it, I wind up right back in the middle of it. So now I'm going to trust you because my way don't work. Amen. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth, knoweth. Everybody say eth. Not only does he know, he knoweth. That's important. That little eth in Old English means he knew before, he knows now, and he knows in the future. He knew before what you need, he knows right now what you need, and then he eth. He knoweth. He knows the start of you. He knows the finish of you. Okay? And he knows all the choices you can make along the path. That doesn't make... Ugh. That doesn't make you predestinated. That means God's already seen every choice that man can choose and what the results are. He also knows how to bless you. He knows what the blessings of the Lord that they make rich and he adds no sorrow to go with it. You've sought your methods and wound up with sorrow. You seek His method, there's no sorrow to go with it. You'll be glad that you did it God's way. You see, I'm being me. I, I don't have to be Jesus because I'm not Him. But He does want me to be Kevin, but with God's method, with God's truth, reality, living God's life. Now, His methods are better than mine. His choice of friendships, like when He chose Joel for me, He, he, he just made a better choice. Someone my heart can safely trust in. Someone that I can really love. Someone that I can really uh, relate to that, you know, won't like me today and stab me in the back tomorrow and then blame me for it. I'm like, how can it be my fault when you stab me in the back? I can't even stab me in the back. I'm pretty sure that knife back there is yours. It's got your initials on it. That's all right. Watch this now. For your heavenly Father knoweth... Uh, that you have need of all. Need of all. Everybody say need of all. Need of all. Now if I can, can I do this? I'm going to anyway. 2 Corinthians 4. The storm that you just went through, the battle that you just faced, the failure that you just came short in, and God redeemed you and brought you back, it's for you, it's not against you. All things are for your sake. It helps reveal to you your still need of God. You still need Him more. Even what you had, He wants to do more for you. And if you weren't trusting Him completely and fully, He lets your own ways come upon you that you can trade in your ways for His way. Your method for His method. 2 Corinthians 4. Let's see if Paul said this. Or, or am I out here on a limb? Praise God. And I might be on a limb. That's right, that's attached to a branch. That's attached to a, a, a bough. That's attached to a tree trunk that has a root system that comes from God. Yeah, okay, I'm in the right tree. I'm not detached, I'm growing. I'm growing out, how do you do it? He's growing in so I can grow without. Hmm. Metaphor, metaphor, metaphor. Oh, great metaphor. Second uh, Corinthians 4, do you love me tonight? I love you, I want to say I love you back. How about that? This is just love. We're working it out together, right? Good, bad, ugly, and different. We are the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right? That's who we are. We're working it out. 
It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 15, For all things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all. 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 2 Corinthians 4, 15, For all things, even your failure now in God is for your sake. It's to help you be aware, oh, that's an area where I can believe God. That darkness has showed me and made me thirsty and hungry for a relationship. I thought I could handle that. Now I know I can't. I need the Lord's help. And He's a very present help in the time of trouble and in the time of need. Isn't it good to know when you go through something, oh, I need Him there too. I thought I could do it. I thought I could do it and I failed again. Well, let's ask God's help this time. And God's over there saying, good idea. <laughs> good idea. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace, that the abundant grace, all sufficient grace. You see, when you realize this, not as though I was sufficient of myself to think anything as of myself, but my sufficiency is of God who's given me an all-sufficient grace that you always, having all-sufficiency through this abundant grace, may renown to every good work, which really proves this is a work of God through you because you are what you are, not because of your ability, not because of your sufficiency, but because of grace you're where you are. Unless you're foolish enough to take your own credit. And that's the quickest way to get God take, to take away something from you. Oh, you think you got it? Well, let him fail in what he's doing. Let him fall on his face, and then he'll give it back to me, and we'll let him succeed again. Amen. For all things are for your sakes, that your sufficiency might be of God, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, look what God did for her. Look how God delivered her may renowned or resound or magnify the glory of God. And that's where we get our glory from. Jesus Christ, our hope of glory. God doing more for us and putting more into us because this is how we can be blessed with being hungry and thirsty because my darkness showed me where I need more of God. And then guess what? Here's the rest of it. Get ready. You shall be filled. You shall be filled. Not with more of you. You get filled with more of God. So that you can come to the place to say of that person, Oh, I've tried that and failed, but now I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I don't have some Holy Ghost. I'm full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not of little faith. It was my little faith where I tripped up and I still thought I was good enough to do 70% of my life. I can handle that. Uh, I just thank God for getting me into heaven. I got the other part. I don't have any part. I've looked in me long enough to tell you that is in me, that is to say my flesh, in my soul without God, there's no good thing dwelling in me. You take Jesus out of me and I am a absolute flat out mess. I can't make it without grace. Period. Jesus is the author of my grace. For, for which cause we faint not. 
Oh yeah, but I fell. I'm so ashamed of myself. Ashamed of yourself? God's love maketh not ashamed. God's there because of your failures. God's to tell you don't let shame determine who you are. His love, it's by faith we have access into this grace where we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God because we've learned that all these things are working for us. And His love maketh not ashamed because the love of God showed up in our very present need as a very present help and it shed the love of God abroad in our hearts and it's now renouncing to the glory of God. Sure, God got me out of the trouble, but I had to be in trouble to get out of it. And I only got in it because I thought I could handle my own trouble. No wonder he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You're troubling yourself. Well, how am I going to fix that? Well, you can't fix it, but he can. You can't change it, but he can. Little children, uh, uh, in this life you shall have tribulation. He didn't say you wouldn't have it. You're going to have it. I've had tribulation in my life, but I've learned to be of good cheer. The Prince of Peace is with me. He didn't stop tribulation from coming the same way it didn't stop tears from falling. He just shows up to dry them up for me. He never said he'd stop me from crying. He never t- said that he wouldn't have tribulation. Paul said that it's through much tribulation that you inherit the kingdom of God because in every tribulation which is working for you, you realize that much more your need of God. I don't need Him less, I need Him more. I don't need less grace, I want more grace. And here's the good news. People say, see, I told you you needed more grace. Shut up. Wherever sin does abound, grace does much more abound. So I was abounding in a sin so God could show me more grace. That's how I got it. That's how I said, yeah, I need that. You ever heard try to provide something for somebody? No, I don't need that. No, I got it. We're going to be okay. They get 10 miles down the road and guess what they need? What they just turned down. So God many times sends you down the journey and let you run into an experience because experience worketh patience. Patience uh, 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 worketh hope and then hope maketh itself not ashamed. Do we understand how this works? If you don't get this, you're going to miss most of what God is trying to show you and what the stupid Christian... I'm sorry, forgive me for saying stupid, sorry. For what the nascent... Uh, uh, you look that word up, maybe it's just as harsh. But look that word. Anyway, uh, that this is how what God's trying to reveal to you, your need of God. Your need of God. Because no, I, I, I can't escape it. Romans chapter 5, I've got to say it. i got to say it. I, talk, I preach myself into it. And why am I going down this, this prolifically? Because the ears are here to hear it. Because they're not dull hearing. There's hungry hearing in the midst of the congregation. Ears are hungry to hear the words of the Lord. It's hard to be preaching and to be anointed and to preach under such direct inspiration of God when ears are dull of hearing. I mean, you can tell me, I can't. I got to sit through another one of his sermons. Okay. Uh, 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 okay, we got you. Okay. Because he that loves little, uh, he that's forgiven little, apparently. Uh, God didn't have to do much to save you, to save you because really you think of yourself really good to start with. But uh, uh, I was forgiven much and therefore I love much. 
Uh, salvation is a big deal in my life. I know it's a small thing to you, but it's a huge thing to me. It's my eternity. It's my life. And this is what Paul said in Romans 5. Knowing, knowing, and we, we rejoice. Back up to verse 2. Hang on with me. It's just a revelation tonight. It's just alive. Okay, sorry. The, the, I mean, if you could see my Bible, the words running all around and said, get them out, Kevin. I said, I'm working on it. For God's sake, remember you're working with me. Okay? He says, uh, verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith. Access, access, that means you got in. You have access into this building. You have access into this message. And God gave you an ear to hear. So you have access to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. He's building up your faith right now while you're hearing this. Into this grace wherein we stand, I am what I am by the grace of God and I'm willing to stand in it. Having done all to stand, I stand therefore. I may not be gaining ground right now, but I'm no longer giving it up either. So I have to stand and see the salvation of my God. I must see God fight for me. Amen. And I rejoice in a hope that fadeth not away, a hope eternal, because God's going to put glory inside of me. My Father, He's working it in me. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. I glory in tribulations. I challenge you to say, I glory in my troubles. I glory in my necessities. I glory in my distresses. I glory in my infirmities. I glory in my weaknesses. Because when I'm weak, it helps me see how much I need Him and how much I can't do it without Him. It's working for me. I glory in my tribulations. Yeah, it's been troubled. Yeah, it's been tough. But God showed up in my storm. And now I know the storm wasn't against me. It was for me. Yes, there was a whirlwind in Job's life. But God spoke out of that whirlwind. And God put the man's life back together. What's troubling you? It is God that troubles me. And it is for my good. It is for my salvation. It is for my good. Because he said, in this life you shall have tribulation. And it's through tribulation that we inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven comes down to give us the kingdom of God. And tribulation is what reveals the darkness where we need Him. And He's the very present help when that need is upon us. If so be, we're in heaviness. If so be, if need be, Peter said, if need be, you're in heaviness uh, through manifold temptations. God, it seems like I'm going through it. And in every place He's showing you, I'll give you grace there and 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 I'll give you grace there. If it wasn't for tribulation, I wouldn't know how much I need Him. And I wouldn't know how much He wants to meet the need. He wants to be your Savior far beyond what you want. He loves you more. He uses tribulation to reveal the need. So he can meet the need because he's the need 
maker. He's the need. He resolves the need. I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry. I feel the hand of God. I I feel the hand of God. You're still alive because of Him. There's no addiction. There's no amount. There's no thing that you can take that's going to destroy you. God won't allow it. He'll take you to death's door to show you that He's abolished death. If you were to be taken by drugs, you'd already be dead. But your life is hid with Christ and God. And death has to follow the one on the great verdant green horse. Death can't have you. Anything outside in this life, it would have already taken you. But your life has been bought with a price, my dear one. You've been bought with an eternal price of God. He so sincerely, desperately, and absolutely loves you with everlasting, perfect love, unconditional agape. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Thank you for my troubles, Lord. I challenge you to say it because He didn't leave you. You learned Him better. You learned Him more. You learned that the Holy Ghost is your strength. Not you. Thank God I'm glad I'm aware that I can't do that now. I'm not good enough to do that now. I've I've even stopped trying. He's let me try and try and try. And now I burn out on all my tries. He said, good, well stop trying. Let me do it. Have you ever ever been around someone trying to show you they can do it? And they try and they try and they try. (laughs) You're like, all right, wear yourself out. I I could have done it 20 minutes ago, but go ahead. Go ahead. And then they finally say, I can't do it. Okay, now in love. I wanted to do this for you 25 minutes ago. Just let me do it. Just let me do it. Just let me do it. Do you hear him tonight? Just let me do it. Just let me do it. Just let me be your savior. Just let me be the one who loves you. Just let me be the one who leads you. Just let my method take care of you. Let my knowing of you provide for you. I'm not, I've been old. I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You will not be begging for bread. He's the living bread that you may eat thereof and never die. He is our Savior tonight. He's not like that. He wouldn't do that to you. I want to tell you something about God. He's not like that. He loves you too much. That we should make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery of His will that even Gentiles as the Jews had taught for all some, 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 some of the Pharisees, some of their teachings that God didn't love Gentiles, but He does. God never created anyone for hate. God never made anyone by hate or created them with hate. God doesn't hate one and love another. He loves all. And He's willing that none would perish. Even from the first that separated themselves. When God came down to talk to Cain and He said, Why is your countenance fallen? Why are you no longer willing to live in the family and be accepted with your younger brother Abel? Do you not know that 
see that it will it, that the desire will be against you. That if you go through with this thing you're thinking about, that that it will it will rule over you. And and behold, sin lies at the door. It's a wrong translation. It means your sin offering has been provided by your brother Abel and he tied it to the knob of your door and you've got an offering. If you go and do that which is right, go make your sin offering and I'll accept you as I did him. It's not that he just let sin have his way. He said, I've made a way for you out of this. Abel, your brother, came over last night and brought one of his best lambs and tied it to your door. It means not sin, but sin offering. Remember, his heart was falling over the offering. And then God went and got the offering he needed and tied it to his door through the obedience of his younger brother, uh, Abel. It said 117 times. They interpreted the word as sin, but it's kata. Kata, it is sin offering. The lamb is tied up at the door. And all you got to do is go take the lamb and offer it as you've been taught and you'll be accepted. It will be well with you, Genesis 4-7. It will be well with you, friend. You don't have to let what you're thinking come to pass. Take the sin offering that Abel is tied to the doorstep. So he wouldn't run away. He can't get away. I did the same thing. I will do the same thing. Years later in my son's life, Abraham, when I asked him to take up Isaac and he didn't have to kill Isaac. And what did I do? I had a sin offering. I had a ram whose horns were caught in the thicket. I've provided the way. He made a way for us. He made a way for us. Not because we're strong and mighty. Because we needed the way. I need His way. I need His way in my life. I need His provision. I need Him to be Jehovah Jireh. I need Him to keep me alive. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And I now fear no evil because I know He's with me. My life is in His hand. If I see another daylight, it's His grace. It's His mercy. It's what He's done for me. He's the provider. He said, Behold, I say unto you, sin is at your doorstep. Not sin, your sin offering. Abel came over last night and provided one of his lambs. Cain, take it and offer it, and it'll be well with you. And I'll love you and your brother. I've got enough love for you both. God doesn't love me more than any of you. He loves me with you. And the only person I'm racing against is myself. Because I can tell you by the great heart searcher, 
who knows what's in the mind of the Spirit. I hope to be a better Kevin tomorrow than I was today. I hope to be a truer son to Jesus today than I was yesterday. God found it pleasing to work in me and I want to please Him like Enoch did. And He is so pleasing to God that He was no more. I'm glad that God is pleased to be with me and work out my salvation. But I want Him to see my obedience and for Him to be pleased with me. Because of His love. He provided the way. He made the way. He said, I am the method. I am the, I'm the truth. I'm the reality. I'm the Spirit of the Father. I'm the Spirit of God wrapped up in humanity in bodily form. I am Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I'm here for your spirit and your soul and your body. You are my making, you are my image, you are my likeness, and you are my agency for dominion. And I give you power through love, not the power of the world, but the power of love. Not the spirit of timidity, but that of God power, which is love and then produces the sound mind. This is the love, and and I know you might be running out of fingers, but use another one anyway. Genesis 4-7. It's a game changer tonight. It's a game changer tonight. God shows up in Genesis. Genesis 4-5. But unto Cain, because God had had respect unto Abel's offering, He liked what Abel offered. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Relationship fell. The love of his brother fell. Now the love of Abel will not fail Cain, but Cain chooses not to be his brother's keeper. But Abel demonstrates he's willing to be his brother's keeper and he brings one of his lambs over and said, God accepted me when I offered a lamb. Let me give you a lamb. He'll accept you as well. He'll love you as well. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou angry and why is thy countenance falling? Remember, as face answers to face in water, When it's smooth and slick like oil, you can see your reflection. So the face of a man reveals what his heart is thinking about. Darkness had set in in murder. He was contemplating murdering his brother. God said, If thou doest well, shalt thou not, shalt thou not, if you do well, You'll be accepted like your brother was. And if thou doest not well, well, let me tell you something. Your sin offering is tied to the door. Your brother, your loving little brother Abel came over. Marvelous. That's why God saves us. 
because we have the potential to do marvelously loving things. Abel came over and brought a lamb and tied it to his door. This is something A.J. Moses would teach. His little brother loved his older brother so much, he said, God accepted me because I offered a lamb. Let me give you one, my older brother. He loves us both. He didn't just love me. He loves both of us. And he went and tied the sin offering to the doorstep of Cain. So when he went outside to live in the light, when he, when he literally comes out of the darkness of his home, out of the darkness of sleep, out of the darkness of murder and contemplating wrong ideas, when he opens the door, right there it is, his sin offering. Now all you got, it didn't even cost you anything. Somebody did it for you. It was done for you. All you got to do now is just go and offer it. And you'll be, it'll be well with you. Is it well with you? Are you well tonight? When's the last time you offered someone a sin offering? When's the last time you offered somebody forgiveness? When's the last time you offered somebody deliverance because you've been delivered? That's why you'll be delivered, Leanne. Don't doubt it. He delivered me to show you that you will and are delivered. You're set free. That's why you're here. Your freedom has been bought with a great price. Jesus set us free. He became our sin offering when the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. I couldn't sow it and I couldn't reap it. I couldn't earn it. What a mockery that would be. But God did it in Christ. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Because what the, what, what the flesh could not do because it was weak through the law. We didn't find the abilities of God. Because I am carnal, sold under sin. But the law was spiritual. And I couldn't see what was holy, just, or good about it until grace came and gave me faith. That it was good that I would realize the law would teach me how much I need God. How insufficient and how unworthy and unclean I am, but God stands there to forgive me of it all. With newness of life and newness of spirit and not the oldness of the letter. And now I tell you these things even weeping. It is not because I feel abandoned by God. It's just the opposite. I feel the nearness of my Maker. I feel the nearness of the one who loves me and saved me. And the Lord has touched me. He visited me in that motel room. So many times in darkness I've seen Him come to me and help me in my times of trouble. When I went and placed myself in grave fear and I told God I'm afraid of everything. I'm scared of everything. 
and I went and prayed in the darkest places that I could because I was trying to dispel the darkness in my soul until I understood it was Jesus. Till I understood it was the Lamb, it was Jesus. Praying in that little run-down church on the side of the road on Broad Street. In darkness, praying in the floor, those old, old millhouse, tongue-and-groove floors that creaked and crackled with every pop, with every movement. The place is literally sliding off its foundation. Praying to God, I had an outsider come and beat on the windows and beat on the doors and threaten to kill me. And I felt fear. I felt my fear. I was so afraid. I felt fear pierce me down to the soul of my being. And I felt and I heard the echo of what seemed to be a bottomless pit. And then suddenly the foundation stepped in. Jesus appeared in my soul. My foundation that had been laid in me, Jesus Christ, He said, Son, fear not! <laughs> I am with you. And if you're not safe here on your knees praying to me in this darkness, you are safe nowhere. <laughs> but I say unto you as your solid rock, safety is of the Lord. And I've put your feet in a sure place. You stand upon a rock, the foundation of your salvation, and your feet shall not slip. And I felt such a great boldness. My fear left immediately. Because he that was in love with my soul appeared right when I needed him. And I went from total fear to total faith. Boldness exploded like a volcano. Because I knew I had a rock. I knew I had a place of standing. And it was God that gave me this place. I had tried to travel into my deepest fear and I found it. God used that threatening person to put an end to it. You see, that tribulation that night brought me to my deepest fears only for me to see that a foundation had been laid in me. And that foundation had not left me and had not forsaken me. There He was, Jesus Christ, putting a foundation in the bottomless pit of my soul. And He taught me from that point on, you're not falling anymore. Everything else is up from here. Up and out. Up and out. Up and out, Holy Ghost. Up and out. That's Him. That's Him. Yield to Him. Submit to Him. Let the Holy Ghost be built up in the most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh unto God and not unto man. And you're receiving your edification so that you can grow in full faith and go out and edify others. That's why you're being delivered. That's why the darkness has come. Do you not know you've been wounded to pray? You've been wounded to pray. 
And God is the one who stops the bleeding. Because God is the one who created the bleeding. Because when you bleed out, what bleeds out of you is the life He put in you. Faithful are the wounds of your friend. Your friend Jesus is the one who wounds you, but His wounds are faithful. Because God is faithful. And He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But He will with the temptation, with the wound that He gave you, teach you that all things are for your sake. That if darkness is there, He's showing you darkness because there's something that can shine in the darkness and the darkness overpowers it not. And that night it did not overpower the light that was in me. The Holy Ghost fell upon me and the tempter without left. The beating on the windows and the doors left. The Holy Ghost began to speak and I walked out in power. I walked out knowing, not knowing whatever He might do, He would not touch my soul. He might have had the power to take my life, but after that He could do nothing else because my soul had been bought with a price. I didn't have the power that He wasn't waiting on me to kill me or to rob me or to hurt me. I just knew He couldn't touch what was inside of me. And I feared God more. Oh, yes, my friend. He arrived here. As we go into this Christmas celebration, yes, we look back and say He was born in the city of David. But better than that, He was born in the city of Kevin. He came into my lowly manger. He came into my low place when I had no other room for Him. And He became that lowly Savior, meek and lowly, that little grain of a mustard seed. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And Jesus took the smallest place in me. And all these years later, He occupies, he occupies the largest place in me. That's why God chooses fit to divide me. To take the spoils of His grace and His resurrection and His life and divide me as spoil among the people to show what He can do. That's why that addiction, that habit will never have you. No. Lies of a dying bear. When they take a bear, it may have oxygen's still trapped in its lung. And when you roll the bear over, it sounds like the bear is not dead because the sound of the air will come through the, the, its pulmonary system and through its esophagus. And it sounds like the bear still has a roar in it, but it's nothing but a death breath, the last death breath leaving the dead animal because it's lost its power. <laughs> Sin shall not have dominion over you. It's lost its power. God has power over you now. God is the one saving you and redeeming you. Believe it with all your heart. Trust it. Follow it. 
cling to it. Hold fast. Holding on to faith in a pure conscience and of charity unfeigned. Hold to it. Hold to it. Because He holds you. He loves you tonight. I'm contrite. It's true. But to this man will I look. To this daughter will I look. To him or her that's of a meek and a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. What an awesome awesome thing to be able to read the Bible. What a grace. To think I went all those years and never were benefited. What a grace it is to read this book and to have the author with me. He's with me when I read it. And I pray He's with you tonight. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen.